so much for tuning in to the Attack and Release Show. My name's Sam Mose. I'm with my good friend, Matt Garber. And Hello. today, we're talking about the fun topic of how loud is too loud. <laughs> I wanted to be really loud, but then I thought that'd be so annoying, so I just made that voice. <laughs> Very special voice. Which basically felt like I was putting a limiter on my own vocal cords and it felt awful. You sounded like a Muppet. Yeah, that's... I think I figured out how they do their voices. Like the chef. That can't be sustainable. (laughs) Well, it's still going. Well, you know. I think. They're on to something. Loudness wins, maybe. (laughs) Perhaps. So anyway, today's topic, how loud is too loud... I'm very excited about this one. Matt, are you ready? Is this our first episode in 2021, actually? Um, I don't think so. I think this episode... <laughs> let me look at the calendar real quick. So we have the six-figure episode, I think, is going to air... This We're airing this, like... We're recording this last week in September. Uh, the six-figure episode is, I think, the first week in October, the 7th. And then the gear episode is the 21st, which I guess I could say was on the 21st. Did y'all enjoy that episode? <laughs> uh, this bad boy, uh, we haven't recorded in a few weeks. So this guy will be on November 4th, I believe. So we still have a few to go. Well, anyway... <laughs> 2020. I'll let you up? know though, because we need to figure out, you know, like a, a classy season finale. That's true. Yep. So, so Matt, Sam, I'm gonna tee you up. Tee me up. Let's, I want to do a dialogue. I don't. This whole monologue thing is so freaking old, man. It's so old. I just want to talk. I don't want like you to talk, then me to talk, then you to talk, then me to talk. Let's switch up the formula. Let's switch up the formula. All right. Let's talk about okay. how loud is too loud. Okay, so have you gotten a client who says, "Bro, this is just too loud." Yeah, I have actually. And like j- like what what really like leads to that and where are they coming from? Well, I feel like over the last year, I mean, my masters have been loud. I mean, they've yeah. been loud for a while. And when, when I say loud, it means they're heavily compressed. So they are, as I've been saying, more loud more often because like they're the compressed. Like the mixes that you get are compressed or you're yeah. compressing? The mixes are heavily compressed because the mixers are having to compete or beat these uh, references, roughs, demos that are basically all pinned to zero or have been ran through a you know a, a final limiter plugin that's doing five things under the hood. And so the mixers have to beat that most of the time because the artist or producer unfortunately has not understood that during the mix stage or at any of the stages before mastering the final output is basically irrelevant because we can take care of that. So I've been getting mixes that are hotter and hotter uh, to work off of, and this isn't a argument about whether or not compressed music is better than dynamic music. It's more so for me, um, I can make things more loud 
if I actually have some dynamics to work with, <laughs> honestly. <laughs> Sending oh, me yeah. a, a hotter mix that's compressed actually puts me in a corner a bit because that gets into the how loud is too loud, I think, section. So in the times I've I've been given literal feedback where someone has said, hey, this is actually too loud, um, mm-hmm. it's been the usually those situations where the mix is already hot. And when I say hot, I mean heavy compressed. And I'm expecting that I need to beat it in loudness and compression to keep the energy going. Um, those are the situations that I've had to do that. And then be pleasantly surprised where someone does say, hey, this is actually more loud than we need it to be, which I usually go, okay, great, because I'm not looking to back it off like 10 dB, but like a dB or two more of, I'll say less or more dynamic range. And I'm talking like going from like negative four dR to like negative six. So we're still, we're still heavily compressed. You know, negative six was like unheard of five years ago. And now that's yeah. like child's play for a lot of what so, we're doing. So what is it about something where like a client says, hey, we need to we need to back this down? Like what is it where like it actually is too loud? Usually the response is it feels too aggressive or in your face. Mm-hmm. Like it's fatiguing. Okay. I've had the word fatigue used a couple times, too aggressive, like it's it's basically too loud too often. So like the intro Mm. is as loud as the verse, is as loud as the pre, is as loud as the chorus, and so on, to where it just feels kind of like an assault on your ear when we get to these high levels of compression, like a negative three, which for those listening, you can only go to zero. Like we're so close, and there's multiple albums (laughs) over the last year that have hit legitimate zero, zero DR, like the Billie Eilish album, I'll say tastefully, probably a creative choice, I would imagine, hits zero, zero uh, DR when there's like some super crazy synth bass going and everything's just pinned for like two seconds. Mm. But we are approaching this situation, which I'm kind of excited to get to, of where people are, people are either, we'll either never get there, where people are going to start saying this more often, which is like, hey, we're just, this is just too aggressive, too loud, it's too harsh, it's too, like, not reflective of the original idea. Or we're going to hit zero, zero more often, and then people are going to be like, well, we can't do anything more. (laughs) Like, So then I think people will, the novelty will potentially wear off. And I don't want this to sound at all like a loudness war thing. It has nothing to do with that. It has everything to do with for me, does it fit the client's vision and and does the client actually enjoy listening to it? Because if they don't enjoy yeah, listening and, to it, they're not going to promote it. So, And we've done those episodes too. Right. Like we, I don't really think we need to revisit loudness right. and where we stand. I mean, we could in the future for like, hey, where do we stand on it now? Yeah. But it's like, I feel like so long as people want loud music, I don't really feel like we need to <laughs> right. keep beating that dead horse. Uh, this is kind of been born out of say like the past six months yeah you and i have an ongoing tally of like yep this like x client told me not x client yeah. like they're no longer <laughs> right. client, still client like, we'll call it client a client a there um uh told or said like hey i got told it was too loud to turn it down and so we've been sam and i have been comparing notes about 
like when something is too loud, like what does that mean? Where did it go? And whatnot. And in all honesty, one of the funny things with me, and I I haven't had the feedback that this has been too harsh. Um, my feedback is that it beat the reference by too much of a margin, <laughs> which I thought was interesting because they they just want it kind of like at the reference. They yeah. at least with stuff that I've done, they don't want it to be obnoxiously passed. Yeah. And I I don't know why. That's a very odd place to be. Right. Um, where it's like so far past the reference that they're like, this isn't where I want it. But the question is, well, why? Because you wanted it louder than the reference. Right. Um, so I don't know if you've had any of that, but that's the feedback that I've been getting. Yeah, I've I've gotten that a couple times. Um, is it like an uncomfortable place to be? <sighs> no, I think it's... The only thing I can associate is maybe people are becoming more educated, honestly, about loudness mm. in general and compression, which is great. Um, I like to think we have a small corner or role in that with our podcast. <laughs> a super small influence of helping people understand compression better and loudness. But I think it could be that. It could be also, you know, if I think back to like when a producer turns in like a rough or like a hot reference to the mixer and they're kind of expecting, most of the time they're expecting the mixer to essentially pick up where they left off. Mm -hmm. I feel like these days um, it's shifted heavily into like, hey, we like this rough and we want you to basically do like 10% more. Like just kind of fix anything glaring, but if you redo this, reinvent the wheel, you're going to get fired. Like that's what I've noticed. So I think maybe it could be then that trend is now getting into like the mastering stage, which is like, hey, everybody likes this level and this is what they're used to hearing. So even now, if you beat that, beating it now feels wrong in overall volume, which is equally as wrong as being quieter than it. <laughs> so any difference feels incorrect. That's my observation which comes from a lack of understanding of final level outputs and how that works. But that could be, that's one of my thoughts is we're getting to a place where if anything feels different than what is there, then people kind of assume, well, this must not be correct, which is an interesting place to be. Um, but that's just one thought. I'm not saying that's it, but that's one of the thoughts I've had. What do you think? I kind of got a little distracted because, like, my door ran, like, mysteriously opened. <laughs> Casper? <laughs> so, like, ran over to, like, yeah, Casper, kind of hanging Casper? out back there. Um, yeah, like, have you had that happen to you where someone, or you know, has said, like, the the you need to make your master just exactly as loud as the reference, basically, or... Um, I've heard, like, I, I have friends who I know have, like, they'll receive something at, like, minus six, and they're, like, afraid to really, like, do a lot to it because they like, like, the mix engineer likes the way it sounds. And at that point, I'm just kind of like, well, I'm just telling them, I was like, well, why the heck do they come to mastering? Because if they like the way it sounds and it's, like, to their loudness, then what do they need you for? Yeah. Um, so, like, I've kind of been there. I've never been told to like meet this specific loudness but if i'm given 
a loudness reference. So just kind of call it like a heated mix. Then it's like, I know the ballpark where they're listening, but uh, I've also never been kicked off a project for delivering something that is quieter than the heated reference yeah. and essentially saying, hey, uh, I will I, in my delivery, I will say, hey, I, this is quieter. And it's never a lot, but it's like, hey, this is quieter than the heated mix that you gave me. They normally call it the faux master, and yeah. we normally joke around about it, how it's not a real master and stuff. Um, and I'll say, we can go louder, uh, but past this point, I don't think we're necessarily gaining anything sonically, but from a competitive loudness standpoint, if you want to push it further, we can have that conversation. I just want you to know this is where we're at. Yeah. And it's not often when that happens, and normally it's relatively easy to beat uh, to beat a heated mix. I mean, in other times, you can be completely chasing your tail, being like, what the heck did they do? And, uh, I mean, it's never, it never hurts to, like, go back to the person and say, hey, what did you use on your master bus? Because I'm just trying to figure out what you have going on. And I think that was the reason you actually bought Ozone. Um, yep. Either last year or the beginning of this year, you bought, uh, you bought eight. And you said, well, because so many people are using it on their master bus. Right. And Ozone has a general sound. So you're like, I want to know what they're listening to and where they're at. Because sonically, it's like, you, I, I believe you were telling uh, me on the podcast, you were kind of having a weird time getting to like the same place sonically because they had changed so much. Right. Yep. And it's like, well, yeah, it's like I used this limiter and then this and then a dynamic EQ and then I did this. And it's like, well... That's not a heated mix. Right. That's a freaking master. <laughs> right. So it's like at that point you're kind of you're kind of fighting, and then like what everybody has been listening to is no longer the mix. Yeah, and that's like the awkward part that you get to. Um, so with me though, I've never been told you have to hit this right where it is. Normally, I'll get. Like if I want to, if I want to show off, it's like it's not difficult to beat something. Right. But if they want something kind of right, right to the edge, I'll normally do that, and then, I mean, they're not going to notice if I go like point seven over. Yeah. I mean, point two is a is a noticeable change. Right. Because what you're going to be doing is probably different than what they're doing in the box. Yeah. And then you just throw like point two on a limiter, and you're like. Okay, yeah, that sounds better, and now their cells sounds dull and gray, <laughs> and so that's an easy way to win a project. Right. I mean, there was a story that there was like a panel, like an AES panel, where uh, Bob Katz was talking, and he was saying, and it was all on loudness, and he was essentially making a point where somebody was saying that this one converter was better than this converter, and he couldn't figure out why, and he went on this like two week journey trying to figure out why one sounded better than another one. They both should have been pretty darn transparent. And he realized that the one that he thought sounded better was calibrated up by, it was like 0. 0.2 or yep. 0. 0.1. Yep. And it was just that much louder. Mm -hmm. And you went into a very interesting point that I've thought about a lot about why we think louder is better and how it is more than likely an instinctual thing. Right. 
Well, now you add, uh, like we pay attention to things that are louder, but then you add some type of a stimulant that we uh, that we enjoy, i.e. music, mm-hmm. and so now the louder music is more mentally stimulating. Right. And so the Ooh, yeah. louder one generally generally wins if you don't know what you're looking for. Yeah. So if you don't know that slamming something into a limiter is really dialing down on the low end first, or if you don't know necessarily how to feed uh, a signal program, program signal into a limiter, you could, uh, you're going to be losing a lot of low end first. So uh, have I had someone say toe the line? I have not. But um, it's not very difficult to toe the line, and it's not very difficult to beat the line. Yeah. Um, so, but it's like, as far as like how loud is too loud... Um, do I think most stuff today is too loud? I think I, I think it's unnecessarily loud. Yeah. But it's like I get it. I, I think it's kind of a phase too. And I have seen like some stuff in pop kind of dialing back. I mean, you get into certain genres like hip hop and rap and whatnot, and they're just like, how hard can we slam this meter right. <laughs> at zero for how long? Yep. And I have seen like, however, like other genres dialing back a bit. And you'll have verses that go pretty darn quiet. Right. Um, so, I mean, quiet as far as, like, you and I, I guess, are concerned. Yeah. But it's, like, hanging around, like, minus 10 to minus 7. And then, like, the chorus, it's, like, I look, I look on my, my meter, just, like, slams, like, all in the whatever I have is, like, the plus, the zero and the plus region. Yeah. Um, I have my meter, uh, my VU meter calibrated just to minus 7, just as a... Uh, little bit of a mental reference and uh it's like i know mentally where like pop music and certain genres go so i can match kind of how that meter let's call it dances and it's actually kind of funny watching i was doing the other day i was like this person had like a lot of vibrato it's like this whole little needles jiggling around (laughs) to like the vibrato of somebody's voice um but is stuff too loud i think it's un i think it's unnecessarily loud but i mean from like a primal instinct of uh, noticeability and whatnot, I think it's a bit loud. But you also get into a conversation that I want to talk to you about, Sam, of when is something too loud for a genre? Oh, that's a good question. My, I have more questions for you, too. So <laughs> My, you have 18 uh, minutes left, and I got two questions. Okay. So we got to scoot. We can do this. I can do this more so. Here we go. My opinion on on that would be I am always trying to respect the integrity of the mix or the genre. If it is a live instrumentation, like I literally mastered today, a actual band that made like a, I'll call it like a Steely Dan Asia type track. And it sounds absolutely incredible. I would almost call it like a audiophile type recording. And for me, I knew if I was to take this anywhere close to like the top 40 loudness, aka compression, that I would just absolutely ruin the whole mm. image and intentionality that the band. I mean, if you even think about like the drummer, you know, played the snare and the hi hat differently on purpose through the song. 
you know, it's mm. louder and the transients are different. Now, as we yeah. compress things to get it more loud more often, that guy, that guy's like whole feel and vibe just vanish, can vanish, you know? And that to me, that's where I listen to the genre or the source material. And I think, you know, by making this more loud more often, more compressed, then am I disrespecting the the players, the engineer, the mixer, the producer? And that's where I think, you know, I go back to, you know, depending on the genre, I will just briefly, if I can't think of a song, but usually I have a nice catalog in my head of where things land in most genres, especially especially because I work mainly in Top 40, and this was a little different project, but I had a lot of fun with it, and they hmm. really wanted me to do it. Um, so I would say I, I just always try to respect the, the kind of overall, I'll say, I hate saying industry standard, <laughs> but standard of what, you know, records that are in that genre have done and, and do well at. And it's always, if even on high compressed records, you know, that's still about respecting the client's vision and you know the genre if it's a rap trap thing i pretty much know like trap lives off of like distorted 808s like smeary distorted sibilance and if it is not feeling aggression aggressive which you can kind of only get from clipping which is like a very common technique in trap rap popular rap then i'm not respecting that genre in that artist's mm-hmm. vision. So for me, it's not so much about, um, well, yeah, and you, I think you'd be the right, the, the same view it or think about it the same way. It's not, there's not one way to do it. It's contextually bound. So that's how I approach genres. I think anytime you're disrespecting the client's vision for the sake of compression, or even if you, if I'm working on a rap album and I think, oh man, if it was really dynamic, that kick would just destroy your trunk and that'd be so cool. But then it's like, <laughs> that's not what they want. <laughs> like, who, you know, sometimes dynamics are not pleasing. Like we were saying before the show, I was, I came up with the analogy of like, if you're laying in bed in the dark and someone just turns on the light, that is essentially dynamics <laughs> where you went from dark to light. And there is a yeah, range a of dynamics that are pleasing. You would much rather probably wake up to like a dimming light, like a sunrise, as opposed to just like darkness to pure, you know, LED bulb in your face. So that kind of like, you know, shows where dynamics can sometimes be extremely disorienting for the listener mm-hmm. and where compression you know, and taming those things is actually a more enjoyable experience where gradual, uh, you know, dynamic to compression is more enjoyable and more pleasing. So that's my thought on that. What do you think, Matt? Mm, Very quick. Yeah. Um, As far as like respecting genres and whatnot, a very quick story. And I don't know if the person who I sent this email to listens to this. Um, but uh, essentially, I had two sonic references for an LP that I got, and this band was very 
uh, low, call it low, mid to mid heavy and centric. And one of their sonic references really matched that well. And the other sonic reference was high mid to high and like very vocal forward. Um, not really a lot of low and uh, and any next to no sub information whatsoever. Um, and I was told at, uh, at we we had a few revisions of the master, and w- like when we when we locked it when we really locked it in, uh, they said yeah could we, the label said could we have it louder and. I was like, sure. I was like, I think I'm meeting one of, I think I'm meeting like this sonic reference. And they're like, yeah, but we want to see it more like this, like the high end one. And it just, uh, it's like, there are certain ways to increase the, and you know this, Sam, there are certain ways to increase the perceived loudness mm-hmm. without uh, really slamming something into a limiter right. more. But, uh, and so, I mean, I mean, that, that's kind of, that's kind of the way I did. Sorry if I'm like, kind of distracted there's like a lot going on around my office right you're now. fine it's good <laughs> keep going yeah um so we we just kind of had a conversation we were kind of able or i was able to increase the perceived loudness of uh this record without really slamming much into a limiter and uh we ended up kind of splitting the difference but it's like if you have something that is uh, let's call it high mid to high forward. Yeah. Uh, very much in the vocal range. Incredibly dynamic. Great, great sonic reference. Um, that is always going to beat something that is like in the low mid to low range. That's like kind of muffled on purpose, and it's like it's normally going to be louder more often than anything else. Yeah. So. It's like all this like sound comes and goes. It's like everyone's like swarming around my office. It's like it's like bees. <laughs> all right, we're gonna have to figure out because like I'm hearing it like go into my mic, so we might have to do <laughs> like some type of vocal ride around here. And you can leave like all this like of me just talking in. I feel like I'm going crazy here <laughs> because I hear it outside my walls, and then I hear it in my headphones through my mic. Oh my it's gosh. like driving me crazy. Have you ever used one of those uh, like voice jammers? Um, I don't know if I know what a voice jammer is. It's like like you you'll have to download it on your phone, but essentially it just delays your voice by like a very small amount of time. Oh yeah, and so yeah. you throw in headphones yep. and it delays it to where it just like jams your mouth. That's what's happening because like I'm hearing other things through my mic, and I'm like, is that me talking, <laughs> yeah, or is this like what's going on? Am I going crazy? Is this voice in my head? Okay, so I want you to explain. Um. I want you to explain and unpack too loud too often. You and I were talking about it in uh, like right before, and uh, I think that I think it's a pretty fruitful endeavor to dive down this path. Well, too loud too often is is the idea that things are I think louder. Things that are louder are more are more loud more often. That's what compression does. Compression is a balancer. Limiters are balancing things essentially they make things more consistent at the cost of sometimes with depth image impact um 
dynamics basically allow for things to, in theory, sound bigger and sometimes even peak louder, but they're less controlled. Things that are too loud too often um, is kind of when you get into the heavy compression, which is when a song's intro is the same as the verse, as the pre, as the chorus. Mm-hmm. And everything at that stage can basically become extremely fatiguing and harsh, um, mm-hmm. in my opinion. And I think people are starting to agree with that um, based on feedback I'm getting. When something is too loud too often, it kind of robs you of any, um, I'll say, emotion or surprise. And this gets into the psychology of when something is consistently the same always, our brain kind of puts it into cruise control. Like it just assumes and fills in the gap that this will always be this. And so um, it's kind of like dopamine hits or like, I don't necessarily want to say an addict because I'm not a trained person who understands addiction. But, you know, things can lose their um, appeal or attention or, you know, pizzazz, you can get desensitized. And I think when things are too loud too often, you get desensitized to the song or the music and then the audience, in theory to me, like gets disinterested. Mm-hmm. But they could also, Definitely. you know, probably the, the attic idea is the wrong thing because an attic just wants to consume more and more. And I don't necessarily think the listener wants to consume more and more louder music <laughs> if they're consistently listening to loud music. Maybe they do. I don't know. I'll have to think about that later. But I think the too loud too often, for audio, at least for me, and I feel like most my clients and people I respect, they would say it becomes boring and sterile. Um, and having, and once again, I'm talking about like slight dynamic changes. I mean, just a few dB. A few dB is a lot of change when everything is compressed already. So like when we're talking about, say, a verse being just 2db quieter than the chorus, in a super dynamic song where things are peaking within a 2db range, that may not sound very drastic, but when everything is already smashed together, and by smashed I mean compressed, that 2db, 2db range to me is pretty drastic because it's everything coming up 2db as opposed to a dynamic song that peaks, say, just 2db louder, um, where it's like a couple instruments are slightly louder. With When a song is too loud too often, it's everything is now louder more often. And I think that's when you start to desensitize your ears. I think that's when music gets boring. And I think long term, those are the types of records that you know people won't, very, won't necessarily view as like kind of records to be uh, a reference. And that doesn't, uh, I mean, I can shut up quickly so I don't keep rambling about other things, but I think it, you know, if anything I've learned in the last few years, I feel like my observation is that quantity doesn't dictate quality. So Mm. you can have something that's extremely popular and makes a ton of money really quick. It's like the Baby Shark song was like the number one record, I think, for a Mm. while last year or something. I have no idea. You can look it up. It's crazy. Baby Shark was like outselling every other record. And it, um, 
you know, it's Baby Shark. <laughs> like it's not a uh, a masterpiece outside of it was extremely popular and went viral at the right time with the right video attached to it. And that is a situation. Is this like something for kids? Yeah. Or? Do you not know what Baby Shark is? If you listen to the song, no. It's like I do it with like I heads. do it with my kid all the yeah. time. So somebody but like was this meant for children? Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Well, that's why it went viral. Well, yeah, because kids rule the world. <laughs> well, when so the way kids work is when they find the something that you work. like, like <laughs> like don't don't before bedtime brush all seventeen of your kids' stuffed animals. Because you're going to be doing that for every bedtime for the next five years. <laughs> 17 animals, every 17 night. sets of teeth, every single night, mm. and you're just wasting time brushing stuffed animal teeth. Like, you find something like, like a TV show that your kid likes. My kid likes this this 30-year-old dude who, like, dresses up in, like, a driver's cap and a bow tie and suspenders on YouTube named Blippy. And he, like, likes the trash truck episode that he does. Well, Blippi just got picked up by Amazon Prime because all kids do is watch stuff over and over and over again to agnosium. Yeah. So this very easily explains the phenomenon that was Baby Shark. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> exactly. Um, but yeah, I mean, basically, to me, you know, quantity doesn't always equal quality, doesn't equal timelessness, and, it's, and everything is always contextually based. Like, what is the goal? of the song. What is what are you trying to do with this song? And often when we think about the goal of a song or art in general, then the debate of loudness and compression is kind of like just not very fun to talk <laughs> like it's just mm-hmm. kind of irrelevant in the big picture of where your art is and where it goes and, and the impact it can have and ripple effect and um you know compression is a tool that manipulates that art just like different sizes of, I'll say, brush or shades of color when you're painting. Mm. I'm not an artist, as you can tell, but <laughs> that's what I would associate it with quickly. So I think the too loud, too often thing is, you know, it's it's pretty simple. Like, if your song is as loud as it can be from start to finish, probably about 40 seconds in, you're going to think, your ears will probably just start attenuating and, and make you feel like the chorus is actually quieter. Mm-hmm. When in reality, it's not. Your ears are just fatiguing and crapping out, and then you think your song sucks. And it doesn't. It probably just needs like a couple dB of movement, which, you know, there's techniques to do that, but that's my too loud too often. Which is why you should <laughs> hire a good mastering engineer. Exactly. Because <laughs> you won't have just like, you won't be building boring bricks. You'll be building intentional bricks. Yeah. Bricks are good, you know. They're they're sturdy, but um, you can still build a, a, sh- a crappy house with bricks if you don't know what you're doing. <laughs> well, yeah, it's like how however you do it. It's like you need to you know offset them, and it's like if you build bricks just all like linear, like brick, 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 and then like right next to it, it's all just bricks stacking up and all the mortars lining up, Ooh, and you're not offsetting the bricks. Well, it's it's all about how you build your house, man. I love that. What a what there a nice go. visual. I'm literally staring outside my window to a brick house. So that visual just hit me. Hopefully real it's hard. built like the latter description. It's built correctly, I'm former. assuming. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. If it's still there and Nashville gets a fair amount of tornadoes, it's still there. Then yeah. I assume it's built correctly. Yeah. 
That's good, Matt. Well, do we have anything else to unpack on how loud is too loud? Um, I mean, that's kind of everything I wanted to say. If you've got something, feel free to speak. I mean, I just want to apologize if on one of the last times I spoke, it sounded like I had like some type of speaking impediment because <laughs> I kept on hearing like all this stuff feed through my mic that was going outside on outside my office, and I was I was very confused. Like, have you ever just like pulled out of a situation? And it might just be me, but I can literally like pull myself mentally out of the situation, look at what's going on, is like. What am I hearing right now? And I'm like, kind of like subconsciously looking around the room, like what is making this noise? And uh, so I apologize if me talking like the last time really fell apart there. Um, but I think this was really good because people do need to know that it is like there is a point to where things are too loud, right? And there is a point to where it's not necessarily acceptable. However, mastering engineers. If your client wants it loud, then just deliver it how they want because one, they're paying your bill, right. and two, it's their art. So yeah. um, if I deliver something that's relatively quiet and say, like, that's quieter than the reference, and they say we want it louder, I say, okay, yeah. Like, I want you to jump this high? Okay, I will jump that high. That's fine. So, but, I mean, putting with... So if if you do do that, just be fine with a revision or two and... That's completely fine to to have that. So uh, I think that's all I got to say. Um, if you like the beat that is queued up right now and is probably from the very fine Sam Moses over at BeesAbeats.com. And uh, yeah, I have since decided to not make a rival beat company called Pizza Beats. <laughs> See, I didn't forget. It's been a few weeks since we recorded Sam, but I did not forget. And... Uh, yeah, if you want any Attack and Release Show merch, go to theattackandreleaseshow.com and get yourself... I, I have not checked this closet in forever, so I don't even know what we have. I know we have a lot of socks um, because our, the MOQ on socks is really high. And I don't know how many mugs we have, resting glasses we make to order. I was going to talk to another company about making other merch for us, and then my wife and I had a kid, and I just <laughs> dropped the ball. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get back on that. So... Uh, but yeah, if you want anything, theattackandreleaseshow.com. And most importantly, if you like what you heard today, please leave us a comment, some likes, and some stars. But more importantly than all of that, please share this podcast with a friend. So our our reach has literally been by word of mouth. We could not be more thankful. So, anywho, Sam, I'm done. I'm done too. And uh, can you queue up, you know, something uh, relatively dynamic? Cueing, cueing something. A little bit of a cueing, little bit of a change. Cueing, yeah. We'll do a dynamic song. <laughs> nice. For all you dynamic all right. lovers. There you go. For all those of you like peak loudness. <laughs> you know who you are. You know. You dirty dozen. It's great. Of Twelve of you. Anyway. <laughs> I'm gonna cue it now. Alright. Morning, afternoon, whatever you're having, have a darn good one. See y'all in the next episode. Bye. Bye.